1: Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, handwriting and
0: tailors. Graphology is the art of analyzing somebody's personality through their handwriting. So, you know, who knows whether either of them would have committed these crimes if they hadn't met each other. No, because they're all different things. The middle zone is to do with how somebody copes on a day-to-day level. It's also to do with their ego and how practical they are.
1: I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest studies handwriting. Specifically, what your handwriting says about you. This is graphologist Emma Bache. What is graphology?
0: Graphology is the art of analyzing somebody's personality through their handwriting.
1: What are you really looking at, though? Like, what about somebody's handwriting is telling you what their personality is like?
0: I'm looking at absolutely everything. I'm looking at the size, the individual size of the individual bit of letters, the zones. I'm looking at the slant. I'm looking at the spacing. I'm looking at the pressure of the pen. I'm looking at all the little anomalies of every individual stroke. I'm looking at the layout on the page. And all these things together will give me a pretty good picture of the personality.
1: No, what kind of things will it generally tell you? Are we talking about kind of like big, broad things in the sense like, this person is organized. This person is not organized, or are we talking about really specific things like this person's mother never really loved them and it's reflected in their handwriting or something like that?
0: Well, it's not going to tell me whether their mother really loved them or not, because that's, you know, gets into a little bit of the crystal ball. I mean, I wish I could do that, but um, it might uh, it might show up that they have mother issues. Um, It might show up that. how they are at uh, mothering themselves and they could be a man. Um, So it shows up broad personality traits, but also more individual. I mean, for instance, I could tell the difference between somebody who's had a glass of wine and somebody who's an alcoholic. I can tell the difference between somebody who is um, uh, got a strong willpower and very ambitious and somebody who's actually very aggressive and violent.
1: What is it about the writing, though, that is telling you something? Like, why would somebody's personality characteristics be reflected in their writing?
0: Because handwriting is a fine motor coordination. And when we pick up a pen or a pencil or any writing instrument with our hand, then actually it's our brain that's doing the action, not the hand is merely is merely a conduit to, to how the brain is operating. And our, our fine motor coordination is influenced by... Um, how we expand or constrict our personality, which then goes onto the page, but also our very transient thoughts and feelings and, and physical, um, but, you know, physicality, how we're actually feeling, and, and also our emotional and mental state. Everything is um, is reflected in that fine motor coordination.
1: Now, can you look at, like, any piece of writing... Or does it have to be somebody like sitting down and dedicating kind of to really writing something important, right? And the example would be like, does it have to be a letter to somebody or can you look at like a post-it note that somebody scribbled off like get milk today? Oh, it or can be a
0: graffiti like on a wall. It can be a doodle. Even, but that's another whole subject. Oh, no, no, no. Something that has been written more subconsciously, like like a, um, a post-it note or a letter that I'm looking at historically rather than what I don't like is um somebody who writes something for me in front of me knowing that I'm going to analyze it. Sometimes I have no choice. If I'm writing at an event, then that happens. But um, the more um, subconscious, the better it is. And no, it can honestly, it can be um, graffiti. So
1: so how is this kind of viewed? Is this kind of viewed as like, yep, this is an exact science? Is this a pseudoscience? How is it kind of It's not an exact science. And
0: I don't, it's not a pseudoscience either. It's an inexact science in that it, in its basis there are scientific justifications as to what our brain process is when we pick up a pen. But it's also it's an art in that I, as a human, am analyzing um, this person, but I'm putting everything together. But I mean, it, it's no lesser um, in exact science as many forms of forensic or psychology is. And that's what graphology is. It's another form of psychology. It's another form of looking at an individual and trying to um, unravel what's going on beneath the surface.
1: Why would you say that well, what, it, what it is about it is uh, the reason that it like it wouldn't be more accepted?
0: Well, it when you say more accepted, it's because, because it is an inexact science and, and possibly because I live in England as well. We tend to be quite sceptical about things, maybe more sceptical than the um, uh, Americans, definitely, and, and certainly more sceptical than, say, the North Europeans. Um, people don't want to believe anything very easily unless they have an absolute tangible proof of something
1: that makes sense to me right like I could see because I do believe that little choices that people make really tell a lot about them like you could walk into somebody's house and tell a lot about who they are but I could also see it in the terms of handwriting of like I put no thought into this thing that I just wrote and just did it as quickly as possible you know like I could see it telling you a lot and I could see it kind of telling you nothing depending on the framing of it.
0: But on the other hand, you could plant things in your house to give an impression to somebody that you're somebody that you're not. And a lot of people do that with, with particular things they might have. Whereas a handwriting, honestly, it's it's you can't hide things from me. Even if you try and hide things, um, then the speed of the writing slows down into something else. And handwriting changes all the time because we change all the time so if i'm analyzing somebody's handwriting right now it is how they are now not how they were yesterday or even four hours ago and certainly not tomorrow morning now they might be the same but you know depending on whether it's morning or night or or who they've just spoken to how they feel physically and emotionally who they're writing about who they're writing to all those things have um have an effect on your personality.
1: As a graphologist, like what kind of work are you mainly doing?
0: Um, I would say that probably 30% of my work is um, doing uh, after dinner and keynote speaking and working at events, which is what I just did in San Francisco. But I also do um, quite a lot of forensic work. And then I would say um, quite a lot of my work is helping large companies, some American with recruitment. So I'm helping to draw up a short list to get absolutely the right candidate for the for the um, applicant.
1: So if somebody wants to hire, say, like the new CEO or a high ranking position, they'll send you samples of someone's handwriting to look at?
0: Well, yes. And I'd also need to look to see who's going to be working in the team, because after all, I, could, I, I need a brief from the company. Um, or the individual who's employing to see what traits they're looking for and what they're not looking for. But I also need to see whether that individual is going to gel within the team.
1: Is it ever used by courts at
0: all? Um, Occasionally, yes. I do not um, work as an expert witness uh, in court. However, I am used by lawyers and security companies and individuals who may want to get the police involved with a possible crime that's been committed and i also look at um handwriting to see in my professional opinion if it's been forged or copied by somebody which of course that sort of work unfortunately tends to go up in times of economic downturn because white collar crime goes up
1: oh like they wanted to see if somebody really signed this thing they want to match this handwriting to that handwriting that kind of stuff
0: yeah but but also uh, yeah, there is that, but also to look at criminal tendencies and people i mean for instance I've, i'm um, there 's a, a documentary came out in May which is still there about Ian Brady, who you may or, probably haven 't heard of, but in the 1960s there was a terrible um, case of a man and a woman who were sort of lovers, but actually he was gay and it was quite complicated but they they kidnapped, sexually abused, and murdered a whole load of children in the north of England and they buried them in uh the moors in Lancashire, which is sort of way um very wild, sort of out of the way sort of fields and things. And um they were captured, but not before they've killed a lot of children. And they're both dead now. But they did a documentary on Ian Brady, who was the man And Mara Hindley was the woman, but it was about Ian Brady, who was actually, even though he had a very bad upbringing and quite tragic upbringing, he was highly intelligent and he was also a prolific letter writer. So they contacted me to see, looking at his um, handwriting, his letters, as to whether there was any clue in the personality as to why he'd done this and whether I thought he was a sociopath or not.
1: What was your diagnosis, so well, to speak? Well,
0: what was quite chilling, what was quite chilling, exactly, what was quite chilling was that I was looking at the um... – Original letters they weren't copied, they were original, and he it was mostly when he was in prison and he was writing to you know people who took an interest in him or were writing to him and I think there was a social worker involved in everything else and What I saw was that he was certainly narcissistic, he was certainly obsessive compulsive, he was highly intelligent, um, he had a temper, but he i in my opinion, he was not a sociopath or a psychopath. And it was almost as though he was re- i mean he was deeply controlling, and then the woman that um was very much the partner in crime also um abused and murdered these children, boys and girls, and they were tape recorded them when they were torturing them It was just absolutely horrific. She was not his intellectual equal, and he he basically controlled this woman so You know, who knows whether either of them would have committed these crimes if they hadn't met each other. How did you become
1: a graphologist? Like, how did how did you get into this?
0: Uh, I've always been interested in psychology. I've always been interested in what makes people uh, tick and and what literally is underneath the surface. And um, a friend asked me to do a long, long time ago, 36 years ago or something, to do a weekend workshop in it. And I loved it. And because of that, I then joined something called the British Institute of Graphology, and I did a three-year course with them. But I've now started to do my own workshops at home, teaching other people, because it was such a big influence on me just doing that workshop. That's really what got me hooked.
1: So then will you try to adjust your own handwriting?
0: Oh, no. Like, can
1: somebody study this, know about it, and be like, no, 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 don't slant that A or whatever.
0: When I was some training, I'd become quite, because obviously we looked at each other's handwriting and everything else, and I'd become slightly paranoid and neurotic about what people thought. But A, I'm too old, I don't care anymore. And B, I really don't mix with other morphologists. I I seriously don't. I mean, I know the names of other graphologists, but I, I very much work on my own. And, um, you know, I have enough confidence in my own ability. I do. I think, honestly, you get to my age and you don't care what people think about me anyway. <laughs> you don't <care. laughs>
1: You don't care I mean, anymore. it's one of
0: the massive advantages it, of getting older.
1: I feel like it starts at, like, 30, and you're just like, I just don't give a shit Well, it does start at 30,
0: that but, that. but trust me, at 60, when... you're just really there, so.
1: <laughs> Are you ready for some harder-slash-listener-submitted questions?
0: Yes, absolutely. Let's do it.
1: What letter tells you the most about someone? What letter kind of just tells you nothing?
0: Um, that's not the way I do it, because I, I'm looking at every single little individual thing about the writing, which we've covered before, but I'm also looking at the whole thing together. However, having said that, there's only one letter in the alphabet that goes through all three zones. And if you think about the baseline... The actual line or the imaginary line and the little bit above that's middle zone and then the the loops at the top is upper zone and the swinging loops at the bottom is lower zone there's only one letter in the alphabet that that would go through all three and that's the letter f but that doesn't make the letter f any more important than anything else so no there is not there is no letter
1: is there a difference in those zones right like where you can really see like okay this zone the top zone the middle zone the bottom zone Right. And I think about it like on the line, kind of up towards that and then below the yeah, line yeah. speaking. Right. It's like, is there one zone that you would like, oh, OK, that's the one you really look No,
0: at. because they're all different things. The middle zone is to do with how somebody copes on a day to day level. It's also to do with their ego and how practical they are. Um The upper zone tends to be um, thought processes, the intellect, maybe their beliefs, if they're got a strong um, religious belief or and also to do with IQ as well. Lower zone is more to do with their physicality and actually their sexuality as well. I mean, you know, if I'm giving, honestly, so, if I'm giving a talk or something like that, you know, especially the men, sorry to say, they all want to know about their lower zones and they will desperately, you know, um, adjusting the length of their lower loops. You
1: know? Then does a, if you have a low, low, if you have a lower loop, does that mean that you may be heterosexual as opposed to homosexual? Or, like, how does that... What is the lower...
0: So the sex drive and the sexuality. So, um, if I, if you put this out, everybody's going to... Uh, um, well, I... There are certain traits, and I'm afraid... I mean, this does sound very, you know, uh, sexist and judgmental to me, but whatever. Um, male homosexuals often often, but not always, have particular traits, which I'm not prepared to say about here. But that's not to say that all gay men have this trait, although when I see it...
1: You have a suspicion.
0: I've never been proven wrong, let's just put it that way.
1: So have you ever had a circumstance then where, like, you've been doing something and you see somebody's writing and like, oh, I don't know if they know that, where maybe you learned something that the person didn't know or somebody that the Person was friends with didn't know
0: you're talking about the gay thing
1: or just anything oh, really um, anything.
0: oh yes oh no, 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 for sure oh no no abs- no, absolutely no no, no no, yeah. it was about ten years ago, and I was working at a very large event, a very large dinner, and I was um, sitting at a table, and people were coming up to see me. I mean, there were hundreds of people there before dinner, during dinner, after dinner, whatever, and this man came up. Um, he was very nice, we were chatting that. anyway I looked at his handwriting and he just wanted to know and you know I just told him I mean I can't remember the specifics but I do remember looking at his handwriting and just like just thinking he was gay but it wasn't relevant for me to, you know I assume that you know. so but we just talked about other things and we got on very well anyway then he left and I saw loads of other people and then a couple of hours later this woman came to um my table. And she said, Oh, you know, my husband came to me and said that he'd come see you and you were absolutely brilliant and said, Oh, you must go and speak to Emma and everything else. So I looked at her handwriting and, and you know, we talked about her and everything else. And I said, Oh, I said, Who is your husband? And she said, and she described him. Okay, and I thought, oh, oh right. okay, interesting. And then she said, look, I need to talk to you in confidence about something, and I can feel myself getting quite sweaty, you know, because I was like... Oh, and um, yeah, I went <laughs> here, And she said, I just, you know, we've been married for 40 years or something, but I just feel as though there's something about him that I don't know. And she said, I don't know what it is, but I always feel as though there's something and i honestly i just had to lie and i just said i've got no idea
1: oh yeah you can't be like oh no, obviously oh, no, he no. Oh,
0: do you not know <laughs> no no like,
1: oh you can't see this g that's clearly like <laughs> yeah that's you got to bail you have oh, no, to just bail I, I, like, said, well, I, said, I
0: said oh i've got no idea you know i don't know but i remember thinking after, oh my god
1: does it matter if somebody's right or left-handed,
0: it matters in that I can't tell. I've already told you I can't tell um, sex, but I can't tell the age of the person, and I can't tell if they're right or left-handed. And the answer to your question is: is it might matter. In the when we're taught to write, certainly in the West, we're um, taught to write with a slight right slant. That's the sort of normal. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a left slant, by the way, but that's what we're taught to write. However, if you're left-handed, which is about 10% of the population. Um, some of the left hand people write like this, or they write so as not to smudge the writing. And so, if I see some, somebody who's got quite a severe left slant, or even a little bit of a left slant, it would have a different interpretation if it was written by a left hander than if it was written by a right handed person. So, it is quite important that I know, but being realistic, often I don't know because. I'm given this handwriting, and they I I'm not told, or if it's a historical piece, I don't know.
1: But it wouldn't be like okay, you have this evaluation of somebody, and that turns out like they're a jerk, they're mean, they do all these bad things. But then you found out that they were left-handed, and actually, no, they're actually really nice. Like, would it be a dramatic one hundred and eighty?
0: No, not really, because because the left the handedness thing would affect the slant you know, the slant of the writing. And slant's really to do with, um, you know, uh, how sociable somebody is, maybe their communication style. It would only be if they had a very severe left slant and then I might have to make investigations or whatever. So generally not. But it can explain certain things. I mean, as I explained before, no one trait means anything of, on its own. However every single trait means something so put together it's very important if that makes sense i mean on the workshop that i did we were looking at um it's quite funny actually. we were looking at mother Teresa's handwriting okay so if you're gonna say somebody who's nice i mean mother Teresa's sort of up there isn't in somebody's mind and it was the final thing and the, yeah at least, right. these you know Meant to be a nice person. which well, is not incredible,' she's not totally nice, quite materialistic, actually. And, you know, there were lots of things that were surprising, not awful. But um, these people, mainly middle-aged, I was trying to teach as a final thing after the weekend. I said, right, this is somebody who's famous. They're dead. It's a woman. Um, I'm going to give you, you know, 45 minutes to write a, a mini report on this person. So I went away. I came back. And what they had said about oh, this was just I mean, I was actually weeping with laughter, but that you know, they said terrible things which I didn't agree with, you know, particularly but they said, Oh, well, she's obviously a slut. You can't say that about Mother Teresa. <laughs> but it was just the very idea of all the handwritings that they'd looked at, Do you know what I mean? Of and all and, the people, and of all the right? things and I was I was <laughs> literally weeping with laughter and I said, Well, you know, I <coughs> But <laughs> but it that's, wasn't.
1: That's like something <laughs> it's so dark. That's one of those things that is just truly, truly funny. Well, also, just truly, also, truly but, funny.
0: But but actually, what they were picking up on, what they were picking up on, was the fact that there was a sensuality there, but there was also um uh, the pastiness and the depth of the writing of the lower zone point to the fact that she was a little bit more materialistic than perhaps her reputation would go. So that's what they were picking up on.
1: I know that you've analyzed some of the handwriting of some famous people. Like what, who have you looked at? What have you kind of found?
0: Well, I'm sometimes asked to analyze, you know, pop stars or, you know, Beyonce or whatever. But which you know has limited interest to me but as well as criminals and things i also analyze quite a lot of politicians whether their own our own politicians you know boris johnson rishi sunak Theresa May, I mean, whoever else has a very fleeting moment in our uh, running our country. But also in America, Trump, you know, was incredibly famous for his, um, you know, shenanigans, perhaps, as he did. But his handwriting was very individualistic. He always used a thick black felt-tip pen. He sort of semi-printed his writing. And um, so, and then Biden has other different, issues, problems going on. So I and and I've also analyzed um, Kim Jong and Putin, and uh, which is a, you know, interesting.
1: So now I'm super curious, though, what did you what did you think of, I guess, what characteristics did you find from Trump and what from Biden?
0: Well, Trump, um, again, our perception of Trump, you know, because people said, Oh, well, he's a sociopath, isn't he? Well, we tend to use that word with anybody that we think is negative and we don't like and whatever, and there there are plenty of unlikable traits with Trump. No, he wasn't a sociopath. But again, he was narcissistic, but he had total conviction in um what he believed he was saying you know i mean i know people say he was a liar and everything else well yeah he did lie but i think at the time he thought he was saying the right thing so um you know he was a great self-publicist narcissistic and uh biden um is harder to read and and perhaps um a little bit more um Thoughtful, though having said that, Trump did think about things before he said them, although he may have acted as though he didn't. But Biden um was perhaps try, is trying to cover up more things. But there were physical problems that I see with Biden. Um and I'm not medically trained, so I can't say exactly but certainly um he's he's an elderly man, but I I think there physical you know, he has physical problems. And um, yeah.
1: So, can we, do, can we do this real quick? So, I sent a sample of my handwriting to you. What kind of broadly speaking, broadly speaking, I guess, what kind of jumps out? Okay. Out
0: you've you? written, you've chosen to write it on line paper, which may say something about yourself anyway. I would normally say don't write on line paper. However, the fact that you're, you have very much stuck to the lines and the fact that the letters are very much joined together, you like logic you know so it might be even quite difficult interviewing me but you like logic in your life and you like familiarity you're very much a team player um you actually quite enjoy the routine thing but the the strokes are quite um it's quite heavy pressure uh, i mean i know that i'm looking at a copy here but i can tell that it's quite heavy pressure and you know there's a sensuality to you um and you're very um well balanced between the intellectual and the physical, and also the practical. Um, you can get it. Maybe um, you like to think things through quite carefully, and so if you are suddenly presented with uh, something which is out of the blue, you might find it quite stressful. So you would find new situations quite stressful. Stressful, and if you look at the page. You've got a much wider right hand margin than you have left, and if you think of the um going towards the right as the future and progression and the left as what you know in the past you you take you know you like to take your time with new people new situations, and so anything other than that would take you a little bit more time than the average person to get used to it. You're very loyal and dependable
1: I would say that that's pretty much all right on about my personality. Is there any kind of like section of that where you would say like, oh, looking at this specific part told me this, or like- Yeah,
0: the letters themselves are very joined up. And most people have a combination of sort of printed and joined up and cursive, whatever. And that's your, it, it makes it much speedier writing but that is to do with your logic and the fact that you're a team player and you like routine and there's a regularity to every aspect of your writing the size and the spacing and and the shape of the letters which really makes you sort of conservative with the small C and liking you know enjoying um, routine which isn't for everybody it has to be said um, and when I'm looking at the three zones, the upper zone, the middle zone, the lower zone, and again, I would say, look at the letter F, you know, it's all, it's all very well balanced, which, which makes you, you know, balance between the intellectual and, and the physical. Um, And the fact that it is quite regular, you know, makes you a team player, rather than somebody who, um you know needs to be on their own and on that subject if you look at the spacing between the actual words it's sort of it's not too wide it's not too small and it's very regular so your sociability is quite normal and you enjoy other people but you don't you don't feel a need to crowd them
1: that is basically my personality
0: well it's a good one i mean you know i wish i could say the same about myself
1: is my is like my writing pretty normal
0: Oh, gosh. Normal. I mean, normal. I Don't don't ask me what normal is. I've got no idea. I mean, I think you probably mean average as opposed to normal. Look, when I'm looking at writing, I am looking for things that I'm looking for anomalies. I'm looking for things that scream out to me because um, they go against the norm of your writing or maybe against the norm of other people's writing. I would say there's nothing in your writing that would make me back off in any way. Okay, I can see Riley, is it? um, Okay, if you look at the capitals, the L and the R, the R of Riley is a little bit more um, rightward slanting than the L, um, which... Might, you're getting to the end of the page, though, and so you're like speeding up. You're writing speeding up. But it might be that you feel um, more communicative at that time towards Riley. I think you say, is he the baby of the family?
1: Riley is the baby of the family.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting question that you ask because um, sometimes, and actually in my book, we talk about little individual things like, um, I might say... You know, there might be a, a sentence that says something like, you know, Peter likes Jane, Julian, Jennifer or something. And I'll say, Yeah, but who does he really like? Because there might be one of those names which is much larger than the others, or or more of a right slant. And it's just like little funny little things like that that you can see. And it's like some people might write their uh family name smaller or larger than their than their um Give a name, which might mean that um, if they, you know, if, if somebody was called Peter Jones, for instance, and Peter was very large and strong and then the Jones was much lighter and you could hardly read it or maybe cross through. It might mean, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a really big thing and I probably wouldn't mention it, but it might mean that they have more of a problem with the family that they come from as opposed to their personal self, their being. Obviously, if you see somebody who's just got married and they, you know, whether they're a man or and they and they scrape through their um their new name, it could be um you know not a good sign. That's pretty
1: much all the questions I got. I know that you've got a a book out. If people want to learn more, what's the name? Yeah, of it? Where I can have people a book called "Reading Between can...
0: the Lines," which is published by Quirkus, uh, and you find it on Amazon, and um. It's really uh, a book for everybody. It's a book for people aged eight to 108. And it's how to analyze your own handwriting and it's how to um, look at your spouses or friends or relatives writing. And each chapter, it gives a different um, personality trait to look at and, and the slant and the spacing. And there's a chapter called Red Flags, So um, danger signs to look To look out for um and end of each chapter there's a little exercise to do to see how much you've learned of the thing so although it's informative it's also fun and it's a great christmas present by the way
1: i want to thank emma so much for joining us if you want to connect with her we have linked to her on our social media accounts we're profoundly pointless on tiktok instagram and youtube and we've also included her information in the episode description. If you really want to learn more about this, her book, Between the Lines, is fascinating, especially the part about red flags. It's interesting because I think once you notice something about someone's handwriting, you really notice. Real quick, I want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of our show, Incogni. Incogni's mission is to help you take back control of your data privacy. We all know that data brokers and companies collect our personal information and then sell it, and who knows where it goes. Incogni's mission is to take your data back just as easily. Every year, identity theft seems to become a bigger and bigger problem. There has been a 68% increase In the number of data breaches in 2021 alone, and the likelihood of your data being stolen just keeps getting higher and higher. What Incogni does is reach out to data brokers on your behalf, requests that your personal data be removed, and then deals with any objections from their side going forward. What data brokers do is if you make a request, they'll remove it, but then they go back. Incogni keeps that from happening through three easy steps create an account, grant them the right to work, and then they will contact data brokers on your behalf and request that your data be removed permanently. And right now, Incogni is available risk free for 30 days. Anybody can try it. And if you don't like it, you'll get a full refund. We even have a special discount available. All you have to do is go to incogni.com slash profound and enter the code profoundly, and you can try Incogni risk-free for 30 days. We've also put a link in the description along with that promo code if you want to check it out. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. Have you ever judged somebody by their handwriting? Like you saw their handwriting and thought,
2: I I think it's fair to say that I have. But on the other side of that, I am one of those people that always gets complimented on my penmanship, which has always led me to believe that people must think that I cannot write well. I do feel like there's a lot of compliments that people give you that maybe that they
1: think that you're actually an idiot. And I don't mean you, but a lot of things that people will say is like, well, did you think I was a moron? No, I mean, listen,
2: I, I, I take it kind of personally, or at least I did, when somebody would, you know, stop in, in my office or, or wherever and say, you have really nice handwriting. But they always usually say that it's, like, gender identifiable. They're like, you have really nice handwriting for a man. I don't actually, now that I think about it, I don't really
1: know any women that have bad handwriting. <laughs> Every woman that I've ever known had good handwriting. Mm. I think because they think about things more than men do. Men are much more spontaneous. We're not going to think
2: too far through something. If I really want to throw people off because I'm ambidextrous, I'll write left-handed, which is not as clean as my right hand. Wait, you can write with both your right
1: and left hand?
2: Yeah, um, it's it's called ambidextrous.
1: Have you ever written two things at the same time, then? Can you write with both hands like that? (laughs) That's called time saving. There,
2: I've actually never tried that, but I will get. I will try it tomorrow. Not that it matters to anybody, but I will try it. How have you never tried it? I, I don't know. I just I've never thought. Hey, I'm going to write down the same thing with the left and the right hand. I've never thought to do it.
1: No, but you wouldn't have to. You could make like a. You could journal about your day on one hand and write a list of things you have to do tomorrow on the other. Oh my. You're reading all those books about submarines. What good is it doing you?
2: You know what? I I had my top boss of my company last week.
1: <laughs> He's gonna get on the submarine. Here we so, go.
2: Here we go. Somehow somehow it got onto the topic. He he asked me if I if I was a reader, and I said yeah, I, I read quite a bit. And he goes, oh, what do you like? And that's uh, uh, spiraled downhill from there real fast. He is. I don't know. He was not like you. He was not impressed with my submarine uh, uh, knowledge or the fact that I love submarine books. You get one book per
1: vehicle, one submarine book, one plane book, one car book. Can't be reading that Two. many books about cars. How quickly do you try to go through a grocery store, though? Are you a linger? Are you like, man, I know where it is. It's aisle seven. Third shelf. I'm out of here.
2: Well, this gives me a chance to to kind of oh, give boy. you kudos. Uh, one of our probably within our first year of doing this podcast, you asked me a question if uh, like, how long do I spend eating dinner? And I said, oh, an hour or whatever. I like it's to enjoy true. my meal. And, true bl- true. and you were yes. like, you know, you of course you jumped on me and you were like and anyone out there that's listening this will get this if you have children that are above newborn status but it's like once you have kids that start eating at the table with you it's over like you just want to get in get out and just move on with your day i don't like Uh, to eat around people i eat by myself at the end of the day yeah i will i'm the same way it's actually become kind of a running joke at any shop i've ever worked at that oh shaw's not gonna eat today unless he goes into a closet somewhere and eats his lunch because I, I just I don't like eating in front of people I just don't I agree I don't like eating in front of people either <laughs> I like to eat at the end of
1: the day no matter what like I don't care how late it is even when I work nights I'm not eating dinner at six o'clock like I'm gonna wait until like yeah midnight when I get home to eat dinner and I want to do it by myself
2: yeah I'm the I'm the same way I'm the same exact way uh to wrap up that story Moving fast forward now to today, John, uh, I'm going to tell you, I just try to get in and out. And if I, if I don't have to take my kids, that's a bonus. Oh, I don't think that
1: I've ever spent more than, not including waiting in line, not including waiting in line. I don't think that I have honestly ever spent more than 15 minutes in a grocery store, even if I'm shopping for like the week. I'm not fucking around, man.
2: Like, that's, I know what that... I want. And that's what I'm getting. Let's go. That's pretty fat I, I try to put it at an hour. That's my that's my time limit. you going to spend an hour in the grocery store? I mean, may, maybe a half an hour to an hour. I mean, if if I'm by myself, I'm going to put a half an hour. If I have the family with me, it's an hour. See, I don't look around when I go to the grocery store, though. Like, I'm not, like, shopping for things.
1: I'm not changing my mind. Like, I need bread. All right, that one. I'm not like comparing nutritional oh, labels and thinking looking at the ingredients and reading the thing if it's like made by elves in the forest and this one's made <laughs> by whatever.
2: Uh I mean I I still appreciate a good supermarket so I'll actually like pick different stores to go to and and I do like looking around. I do. What food
1: item are you going to kind of peruse? Really check it out? And be like, "Hey, I'm gonna- <laughs> For example, like I'm going to do chips and snacks. Like I'm going to look at each different kind of snack.
2: I mean, uh, I mean uh, the deli counter. That's always uh, you have to take a look, see what's in um, meats. You know the meat counter. Really, I don't go to those either of those. Oh, I mean, I, I mean. So what do you eat? I don't go to wise? any. I don't go to any counters.
1: I'm getting the stuff out of the like the the bins. Right? Oh, like, God. I'm not going over there to talk to Steve the Butcher. Do you know the butcher's first name at the grocery store?
2: Do you know a I mean, butcher by name? I do, yes. How many? I mean, I know their names. It doesn't mean that we're, like, acquaintances. But, I mean, I, I can name – I can think of three names right now. At the same grocery store or at different grocery stores? Same chain, but at separate stores. Do
1: you, like – do you walk up to him? Are you like, hey – what are their names give me a name i need a name for reference
2: brian is probably the most common one and he works at, it's called meyer i'll throw it out there at meyer uh the one right by my house here in michigan and he knows kind of when i go gro- i go grocery shopping the same day every week
1: okay and you're like hey but do you introduce do you come up to him does he come up to you how
2: does this work are you like hey brian uh, I mean, it's sometimes it's fifty fifty. Some sometimes if he's in a good mood, he'll be like, "Hey, John, what can I get you today?" And then he'll, you know, he'll already know he already knows what I want, so I don't really have to tell him. But ten pounds of beef. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that I get out of the bins. But you know, like if I want like a different cut of steak or a f- piece of fish or something, uh, you know, it's yeah.
1: Maybe I'm antisocial. I don't talk to anyone. But I'm also of the opinion that no one wants to talk to me, and I consider it a mutual thing. You don't want to talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Let's just go.
2: I have learned as I've gotten older that I I kind of put a mask on as I was younger. Like, I I really am an introvert. Like, I I don't really want to talk to people unless I want to talk to them.
1: Yeah, I think most people are probably like that. They don't want to talk to people unless they want to talk to people.
2: I mean, even Mm -hmm. people who
1: want to talk to people, they – anyway – I'm I was trying to go somewhere. I didn't feel like it was getting anywhere.
2: Uh you, yeah. you, ready? you ready? You start your shout outs? I'm gonna give some shout outs and then after that I have a it's either gonna go up in flames or you're actually going going to enjoy the segment. So oh we'll is it new? Um yeah, it's new for us. I it's not new in general, but it's something new that we've never tried before. But I think okay. you're gonna you're gonna hate it. But we'll see. We'll see how long okay. we get through it. Okay. So so Anyways, uh, it's not that exciting, but the... Nice. The, Sell it. Sell it. The subject itself, I think, you'll hate, but I'm curious to see if maybe you'll just play along. Okay. Anyways, let's give some shout-outs here. Uh, we'll start with Sam Hogg. Two Gs at the end of Hog. by yeah, the way. Yeah, I
1: thought so. I thought so. There's not. You're not going to find a lot of people who are named after, like, an animal.
2: Hog.
1: I don't know uh, anybody that's really named after animals. That has an animal last name. Do you know anybody that has an animal last name?
2: I mean, just for the sake of not having dead air on the podcast, I'm going to say no. Um, Give it a second. Like I... like, I don't know anyone with the last name. But like, I feel like I, I should know a moose or something. Or I, some, don't I don't know. know. I don't
1: know anybody who has an animal last name. And, not, and it has to be a common animal. Not like I'm actually named after the lower reticulated arachnid spider. Uh, is there a spider?
2: Is there? Do we know a spider? I can't think. The
1: only one that I could possibly oh, s- think of is maybe somebody with a last name Beaver
2: or Deer.
1: But I can't think of anybody who has oh. an animal last name.
2: There is a baseball player. His name is Rob Deer. I know that. But spelled like... You know what, deer is one of those words, like sweat and sweet, that I really get
1: confused as to how you spell deer. D-E-E-R?
2: Yeah, it was D-E-E-R. D-E-E-R. So it was deer. Yeah, that's also weird to say. D-E-E-R. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Now I could see an R-E like John Deere. Let's look this up. People with animal last names. Is there anybody oh come on come on we should have known this there's a couple tony hawk michael oh, j yeah, tony. michael j fox
2: okay okay yeah tony Hawk. i mean i i don't think it's much bigger than them two
1: no bird i don't count burt larry bird oh <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, we suck. There's actually a there. lot of them. That's one of those things you don't really like. No, Martin. Technically, Martin. Anybody with a last name Martin would be a Martin is a fox. Mm. Okay. We should save this for another top five. That's a great one. Top five people with animal names. <laughs> hey,
2: thank you, Sam Hogg, for leading us down that
1: five-minute path. He doesn't
2: count because he had an extra G trying to be fucking cool. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Coulter King. Liam Witherall. John Schofield, fantastic first name. I actually knew a Jimmy Schofield.
0: Okay.
2: Tell us all about it. Uh, Charlie Wanamaker, Devin Napoli, Molly Wilkinson, Brendan Murphy, Dylan Ray, and Edward Hollis. Now, does Dylan Murphy's
1: name always have a burp at the front of it, or was that just for that one specifically? (laughs) There, get that one on there. I hate the sound of a burp. A fart is funny, but I, ha- I hate the sound of a burp.
2: I actually, I don't I don't mind either. I mean, whatever. Like, you know, you do you, right? Only like a nasty,
1: like if you're drinking a nasty beer and there's like swill beer and you get that giant burp built up, it's like, burp. <laughs> oh, Otherwise, I hate the sound of a burp. That's a disgusting you, sound to me.
2: Have you ever burped while, like, inhaling beer or a pop or something? No, I'm not a burper. I don't think that I burp more than three times a week. what are you a spitter swallower <laughs> I just don't
1: burp that much. I'm not a burping kind of guy burp, 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 burp. are you a burper I mean, I can... or are you more of a burper or a farter? I mean, let's be honest well, I'm let's both. Be honest, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's all kinds of gas guns <laughs> every which way coming out. Of <laughs> i got them my armpits, my nostrils, all orifices. It happens. No surprise there's not more sounds that come out of your nose or your ears, really. Right? Like, if you
1: think that's all that's going on in your body, you think that sounds would <laughs> just be coming out of any open area. Can you yeah. hear me blink? If I blink right next to the microphone, can you hear that?
2: Oh, yeah. It sounds amazing. You can't hear it. No, you can't hear it. Well, you blink next to the microphone. See if I can hear it. Try to...
1: I could hear something. Did you bump your face against it? No. Hmm. Maybe you're a more powerful, powerful blinker than I. Okay. Well, man, how does I mean, anybody? I, like, how could anybody listen to this?
2: I have no idea, but I guarantee you <laughs> that whoever is still listening to this is like, oh, can I hear myself? Right. Blink? It's a good question. I mean, we're not award nominated for no reason here. Oh, that's right. I don't think we've told the people. I don't think we have either.
1: Do you but want I, to tell I feel
2: no, I feel like you're a better presenter than me.
1: Uh so we were nominated for Best Interview Podcast. It's the second time we've been nominated for Best Interview Podcast.
2: We're gonna lose. We always lose. <laughs> but we've been
1: nominated.
2: But I mean listen, we're up against I mean I mean these are serious awards, right? The signal awards. Yeah. You can st- you can still vote, I think, to the fourteenth. Uh, their viewer voted upon. I mean, we're going up against John Stewart. I think Tina Fey's in there. Steven Yoon. Um, Who? So, oh. Yoon? Yun? Netflix the, person. We're up
1: against uh, like well, Netflix.
2: Well, he's actually Glenn from The Walking Dead. That's where people know him.
1: Oh, so they got some famous guy to host their thing. Yeah, but.
2: I just don't want to finish last. That's all. I just I just want to finish above one other podcast that has fifty people working behind it that probably make six figures a year, and I just want to not finish last.
1: The lo- the most recently I checked is that we weren't in last place, which is shocking to me. <laughs> yeah, like Julie, what, like Julie Julie, Julie, Julie- Louis Dreyfus is on there, right? Like, how could we ever beat those people? If I was them and saw us on that show, I, us on the list, I'd be embarrassed.
2: I'd be like, who are these people? <laughs> oh, is, is that why John Stewart took his uh, podcast off there? That must, it must be, why right?
1: Like, wouldn't you want to take it? Like,
2: oh, it's me? No.
1: Like, imagine if you're Kevin Hart. Like, Kevin Hart. We're up against Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. Kevin Hart's on there. And yeah. it's like Kevin Hart, Jon Stewart, the guy that you just mentioned about The Walking Dead, the lady from Seinfeld, and then, like, us.
2: <laughs> i mean I, I i've stuck with this podcast for six years because you do it's great work five years. we do great work
1: we do do i mean it is like well I'm wait 19, yeah.
2: oh yeah it is five years isn't it 18 Fuck. it is yeah. yeah well well we're on our way to six so and you still look as handsome as that first episode that i couldn't see your face on no all right, so you're going to hate this. The more I think about this, this was a terrible idea. Oh, but it goodness. had.
1: Let's jump into it.
2: It, it. it it goes along with the theme of our top five.
1: Okay, but now let me ask you this. Now this is a candle of the month episode. If I hate this completely and totally, are you willing to bet your candle of the month on it?
2: To everybody else except you, yes. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you. I'm glad you remembered it was candle of the month. I have a special. Sp- spooky candle oh god (laughs) anyways uh all right so uh, everyone's aware of the taylor swift travis kelsey um i don't know love story that you want to call it so it got me thinking we always talk about celebrity nicknames for couples
1: but do we actually
2: do we actually know them gonna quiz
1: me on celebrity uh, this is one of the things in the universe that I care absolutely nothing about I know and which I, is why which is why it's so amazing and I am personally of the opinion that this relationship and most celebrity relationships are completely fake I don't think that they're real I think that they're public relations relationships a hundred percent right especially like oh look they got a new relationship and they also got an album coming out and they got a movie coming out Like, oh, how does that happen?
2: I don't think most of them are real at all. Well, I'll tell you what. If you hate the first one, I'll go into my can on the month. But let's start here uh, with probably the most famous one. Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore. What were they called uh, for their near decade of dating each other?
1: Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore? I have no idea. me. Oh, that's not any good. It's not like Benefer. I remember that one. That one was good. Ash not very good. I'm going to give it a one out of five score as that's going to be a two.
2: All right. How about this one? Speaking of uh, uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Oh, Brangelina. Everybody knows that. That's a five. Come (laughs) on now. You're actually having more fun with this than I thought you would. So I'm going to keep rolling here. Uh, Kevin Federline, whom at one point in my life I thought he was the luckiest man alive. uh, And Britney Spears.
1: Oh, I don't know. K-Fed. But that doesn't make any sense.
2: That was, was he... his nickname. Oh. Spedderline.
1: Oh, that's terrible. That's a one. That's a one. And if,
2: if you haven't seen uh, Britney Spears lately, by the way, and you're oh, into dude. celebrity gossip, she looks like somebody that needs some serious help.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a that's a that's got to be a tough life, man. I feel bad for people who are really famous and then they kind of grow up in a world not knowing who they are or what's going on. I feel bad for people like that. Glad you make fun yeah. of them. I didn't say a word about nee, making fun of her. You were thinking her. about it. You were thinking about it.
2: Well, I'm not going out to dinner with her, I'll tell you that, unless she's checked for knives. Anyways, uh, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even think a lot of them. Probably the coolest dual nickname, Tomcat. Oh, but that's... I
1: both understand that. It's like, okay. But that's like when you went to the most obvious place, and you went such to an obvious place that it made it bad. I'm going to give that a (laughs) 1.5. Because I hate it. Because I would never be like, what's Tomcat doing?
2: Okay, fine. The last one here, Uh, Taylor Swift... And Connor Kennedy, K. Swift, Taco.
1: That's okay. That's a five. <laughs> I'm gonna give that a five. Have you ever been legitimately interested in any celebrity gossip? Like you were actually interested in it.
2: I mean, only in the the celebrity realms that interest me. Like, no, not the pop stuff. Not the not the music. Not the models. You know, wrestling sports yeah. i mean like last week when they announced that they had arrested tupac's killer i mean oh yeah i mean that that's not gossip because it actually happened right but i mean it's kind of become a circus since he was murdered you know searching for his killer and all that that's that's like 30 years ago but did they get biggie's killer Are they
1: still looking uh, for biggie's killer
2: i think they're still looking for biggie's killer
1: that's kind of crazy I've always thought about when people, like, are killed in regards to crimes. I've never understood how police cannot solve it, and I've never understood how they can solve it. It's amazing to me
2: both regards. I mean, I I think in having been in the industry that you were in and that I'm still currently in, when you talk to police officers and detectives— some of them, like they know sometimes who did it, but you just can't piece just the can't. evidence, yeah, right yeah. and and you and you have to prove it obviously in a court of law here in, in in the in America, and uh yeah, okay, all right, are you ready? I am, by the way, I just want to say that did not go as terrible as I thought it would, so kudos to you for not railroading it from the get yeah, let's
1: just as long as we never do it again,
2: fair enough, is there any other ones that were really good? There's got to be another one. you didn't have benefer, who was benefer. Well, because you already, you said it, but it was Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Um, I had uh, Avril Lavigne and Chad Kroger, which how in the hell did that ever happen?
1: Wasn't Chad Kroger like a a religious band? No, man. He was a lead singer of
2: Nickelback.
1: Oh, I get him confused with a <laughs> guy from Creed.
2: Creed also wasn't a, a, a religious band, man. Creed wasn't a religious band? I think it was, dude. I think Creed is religious. It's named Creed. Just stop. Chad Kroger and Avril Levine's nickname was Chavril or Chavril. Is Creed a Christian band? Oh, he's pissed about it. Yeah, he's pissed about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's some gossip that you probably fell for.
1: Yeah, that's the very first thing that he says. That's like going to be on his tombstone
2: not a christian band
1: like well dude don't be making lyrics like that and have the name creed and then expect not right like okay if you're gonna walk like a duck and talk like a duck don't get mad when people call you a duck and he's all pissed because people calling him a duck anyway okay he's had a tough life too a lot of people have had tough lives i don't ever want to hear okay i'm gonna go on a rant now that you said this i don't ever want to hear From any celebrity, whether they're an actor, a musician, an athlete, anybody, talking about how they work so hard. It's easy to work damn hard when you're making a lot of money. What's tough is working hard and not making a lot of money. I don't ever want to see some celebrity talk about how hard they're working. Like, there's a difference between hard work and hard work. Like, hard work is having two kids making 50 grand a year. That's fucking hard work.
2: Paid for and brought to you by the Nick Vincent for 2024 campaign upset about this
1: i just hate that every time some celebrity is like oh it's just you know we're all working so hard it's pretty easy to work hard
2: when you're making 10 million a year that's not hard work there's a difference between working hard and hard work i will never forget and this is a 30 second story uh months within the pandemic justin timberlake uh was quoted as saying i don't understand how all these parents do it being a parent 24 hours a day is tougher than tough
1: I don't think Like That's probably got to be Some of the hardest stuff That anybody has to do Is making between Like 25 and 100 grand Being a parent Like that's hard work I don't want to ever hear Somebody like Oh it's such hard work On this movie set Well you got paid 20
2: million So shut the fuck up Can we get my lasso going Because I got a candle of the month To we get to We got to do
1: the horses first <laughs> that's...
2: No not good Do it again
1: That wasn't awful oh.
2: Nay!
1: Oh, I think my horn. Let, Let me try. Let me try. It's time! The outlaw candle connoisseur rides again. Whoosh! Candle of the month.
2: Here we go. It's a very spooky candle. I don't know what I was trying to do there.
1: How did you go go Hispanic? You went
2: Hispanic (laughs) in the middle of that. (laughs) Anyways, uh, head over to the Magic Candle Company. I think I've talked about these folks before. Uh, They do a lot of themed candles, uh, uh, all, all varying prices. One thing I really like before I get to the scent that I'm going to say for Candle of the Month is you can usually get most of their candles in uh, small, large. You can get room sprays. You can get wax melts, um, oils. So you just don't have to get candles. But um, regardless, my Candle of the Month this month, with it being October, uh, Pumpkin King by Mm. the Magic Candle Company. And One thing that this candle has that i've always wanted to find in a candle that i have not been able to find till now is a a pumpkin candle that smells like pumpkin puree what do most other pumpkin candles smell like they can be a little dry like it's like this is like having somebody just rub pumpkin puree over your body over and over and over again is is that good I mean, hey. Uh, well, I, so I did kind of. you getting down at the house? Yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, uh, ch- ch- check them out: MagicCandleCompany.com. dot uh, com. I think they are an online store only, uh, but they have all kinds of deals, uh, especially with the holiday coming up and Thanksgiving after that. Um, and they they have a lot of they've I don't know if they've actually purchased the rights to be able to sell some of these candles, but they have like a Stranger Things uh, line. They have like Hocus Pocus, uh, some mm. of the horror movie franchises. Um, but, you know, to me, nothing is better than get old pumpkin puree and a candle. What is a horror movie candle smell like? Well, you know, like like uh, I, I actually don't know if they have it this year, but I know last year they had like a Jason Voorhees scent. Which was like piney and woody because you know that's where, the first Friday the Thirteenth was set.
1: Oh, at.
2: so I didn't, now is theme candles is that a big business? Yeah, of course. I mean, themed anything, right? I mean, that's how Etsy. That's how Etsy shops make all their money. I think is because they legally make products with certain likeli likeliness on them, and you know that's 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 it. I really don't understand how you can burn that many candles
1: and your nose like still works all the time. Like I would think that you'd it'd be like listening to music <laughs> at a loud volume all the time. And I would just I would think that you'd be deaf.
2: The smell well, I'm, equivalent
1: of death. death. I
2: mean, to be fair, uh, you know, when when I, when I when I got covid, that really did a number on my senses. But one thing it seemed not to touch after a while. Uh, then it was the first time I've had it, by the way, uh, which was the worst. Um, was my my smell? It came back after like a month, and now and I have like spidey smell.
1: What did you do without being able to smell? What did the candle connoisseur do? It's like being stripped of your superpowers. What did? How I don't did know, you I don't, get
2: by? Did you still? Burn I don't the think candles? I missed a. Po- I don't think I missed a podcast
1: during oh, all that. Oh, so you just made up candle of the month You just lied to the people.
2: No, this was two plus years ago. I don't think I was doing candle of the month two plus years ago. Mmm, busted. <laughs> okay, yeah, yes. This has been a fabrication since day one. <laughs>
1: this is all a
2: lie. The man it's knows nothing lie. about candles.
1: Um, are Never. you okay? Are you ready for our top five?
2: I am, and I know you hate it. You do not You, you are not into this, but I think it's going to be a good one. Okay, so our number five is top five tailors. But we're breaking our rule and that it can be Taylor or the first name or the last name. Which I always thought you could anyways. I I didn't realize. You've gotten mad at me before because I did the last name. Probably because you were talking shit about something I picked or something.
1: Right, right. I also, I always like those kind of rules. The ones that only apply to the specific set of circumstances that I'm okay with at that time. Yeah. I mean, come on,
2: man. Okay. That's that's what we're doing here. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. My number five, you got to put her on the list, and that's Elizabeth Taylor. You have her at number five. I do. I'm telling you, I think there's a lot of uh, Taylors out there that you're not thinking of.
1: I have her higher on the list for a reason that I'll explain later, but I have her higher. I think that five is obviously too low. My number five is honestly the guy that I would say is kind of symbolic of a lot of Taylor's. he's somebody that you've heard of but you're not sure exactly which one that one is it's taylor lautner the wolverine from twilight
2: or the wolf man what werewolf michigan's own taylor lautner oh god i actually don't have him on my list um
1: even though he's michigan's own you're gonna make a big deal about he's michigan's own and then be like nah we don't really he's not that great
2: so we we've had we've done lists like this with names before, and we've had you know si- singular movie or franchise actors on there, or actresses. But other than that, I don't know what he's done other than Twilight.
1: I think he's done a couple of things, but nothing that was any, ever anything like that. But a lot of people really struggle with that. I think there's a lot of people whenever you talk about any kind of franchise, whether it's a movie or a TV show. It's really hard to do multiple things. I think that you kind of get synonymous with that, and then nobody wants to touch you,
2: like this podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: That's
1: true. <laughs> uh, number four,
2: uh, man. See, so this is where it gets extremely tough, man. I mean, it is you are splitting hairs with Taylor's after after really uh, in the top five. Uh, so my my number four, I'm gonna put James Taylor on the list at number that, four. That's who I have too. I have James Taylor at number four. One of the I, f-
1: like a happy songwriter. All of his songs are happy songs.
2: To me, not a whole lot different in terms of what he contributed to the music industry than say like a Jimmy Buffett. They're both well known for some of their anthems. They've been around forever. I mean, obviously Buffett, uh, ha- you know, did all the things in the Caribbean, but, um. Very similar-esque artist to me, but you, ha- you have to put James Taylor on the list. But
1: Jimmy Buffett is more famous than James Taylor.
2: I Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, his songs at least. But they were both kind of that same musical style of like, they weren't really writing about hard times. They were writing about having a good time. James Taylor was like a musical Mr. Rogers. Oh, my God.
2: All right, my number three. I actually have two people at my number three. Okay, and uh, that's going to be Roger Taylor and Taylor Hawkins, both drummers, one from Queen and one of the Foo Fighters. Also, both people who I don't know who they are. Okay, well, it sounds like you. Need I don't to... know who Roger Taylor or Taylor Hawkins is. Well, l- learn about the Foo Fighters or uh, or or Queen, then I guess
1: Queen i'm gonna look up roger taylor i actually thought roger taylor was a bond guy i mean you
2: you should at least know who taylor hawkins was don't come to me
1: with drummers man come on now there's very you very very rarely very rarely know more than two people in a band
2: it's a big deal if you know more than one really Sure, but I I also think that like these weren't normal musicians. Like these are these these are legends of the, of music.
1: I don't think I'm going to put Taylor Hawkins as a legend of music. Not somebody that I would know who they were. Foo Fighters, I only know Dave Grohl. Okay, how about this? How many people can you name in a band and I'll go
2: through the list.
1: Guns N' Roses.
2: Slash, Axel I mean, those two? as Was there anyone else in the band?
1: I think Duff, but that might have been another band.
2: U2. Oof. Uh, I mean, but see, I'm not a big U2 fan. Bono and the guy with the weird sunglasses and the soul patch. I think his name is The Edge.
1: <laughs> like, Could you imagine introducing yourself as The Edge? Like, nobody, no, no, it's, it's not even a
2: nickname. It's just, I'm The Edge. Like I didn't see concept. that they opened up at the that sphere in Las Vegas. That thing looks pretty dope. That thing looks pretty sweet. Way to see a concert.
1: Yeah, that looks like a good. But okay, would you agree with my sentiment that that's like there's very few bands that you know two people. Very very rare. Where you're going to know three of them.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but that's not really the argument here. The argument is Roger Taylor and Taylor Hawkins. They are legends of music. Oh yeah, you know they did all that stuff. With, what's, your, uh, no, what, with what's your number? Who's just, just stop. Just back stop. when Who's
1: It you... collaborated with What's It's
2: face. What, what's your number three? Lawrence Taylor, number fifty-six for the New York Giants. Okay, so that he's my number two. Okay. Stric- strictly because he changed the game of professional football, American professional football, forever. He is. He's a top 10 player ever, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I've heard he's a really good player. I know he also did a lot of drugs. A lot, lot, lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. Um, he's kind of just leading up to my overall argument for my number one. But who, now, So now I think I know who your number one is going to be, but who's your number two?
2: He was my number two.
1: Oh. My number two is Taylor Swift. That's my number one. I... I would agree with you if you took Pulse of the Moment. Taylor Swift is the most famous Taylor by a long margin. I think that she is levels above Lawrence Taylor, James Taylor, the two guys from a band that you talked about, miles above Taylor Lautner. But my number one is Elizabeth Taylor because I think that people who were really famous in the past were levels above fame that we have now. Cause there wasn't like 50 movies or a whole bunch of songs. Like there was only a couple of things. So whatever came out, like you were
2: really famous. I I don't disagree with that. Um, I I do think in 50 years, 100 years though, when we look back on, uh, you know, like the Beyonces, the Taylor Swifts of the world, or or, or of the generation. I mean that the, they're gonna be remembered like as as an Elizabeth Taylor. Um. Don't know if the criteria you're judging them on is correct, but it's fine. It's, you know. I mostly just refuse to put Taylor Swift as number one. I know you do, you Swifty.
1: I don't understand that. Have you ever been really into, like, a celebrity?
2: Not not where I would, like, classify myself as a, you know, as a nickname. Now, friends will tell you that I was in love with Tom Brady at one point in my life, which is probably true. Yeah, Uh, but I'm I'm also going to say that that was just me being an immature early 20 something old. Um, But that's probably it. I mean, I mean, wrestlers, the rock stone cold. Sure. But like, you know, I would never paint my face. Well, I mean, maybe I would paint my face, but it it doesn't matter. So I I guess maybe, maybe. Hmm. Do you have anything in your honorable mention? Not really. I mean, I put Taylor Kish in there. Um, Friday Night Lights, several oh. movies. He was also in that, that terrible Disney movie that bombed out the Prince oh, of Persia yeah. or whatever it was.
1: Prince of John um, Carter, something of Mars.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Carter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, but no, that's kind of it.
1: Yeah. I don't have anybody. I think there's a president, Zachary Taylor. <laughs> yeah. The other Nobody one that knows. I noticed is the game who was a rapper, but his real name is Taylor. Something. Oh, Taylor. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would put the that's game on there. I would actually put the game above Taylor Lautner if if I could get away with it.
2: <laughs> sure, we'll we'll allow it. The it game was, it was a big deal.
1: Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. Doesn't have to be anything big. Just a couple of quick words really helps us out. And we've also put a link in the description if you want to vote for us for the Signal Awards. We would really appreciate it. Our goal is just not to get last place. We just don't want to be completely last. And let us know what you think, or who you think, rather, is the number one most famous Taylor. I do believe that people in the past were more famous because there simply just wasn't that many people. There wasn't as many options. But it's probably Taylor Swift. It really probably is. Although, I think, this is my personal opinion, I think that the era of this celebrity is coming to an end. Because we're all kind of sick of this. Because it's inescapable in a lot of ways. And I would not be surprised if the Taylor Swift-Travis-Kelsey relationship is what finally pushes us over the edge.